Uh, Mark Gray, um, Chairman CEO of Allegiance Coal, um, ASX uh, listed company with uh, two producing mines in the US, uh, development project in the US and a development project in uh, British Columbia, Canada. We uh, very much uh, focused on the production of metallurgical coal uh, for supply uh, to the seaborne steel market. Mark, good to see you, sir. I think we saw you at the beginning of November. Well, I wanted to uh, catch up, uh, one, because your quarterly came out recently. I want to talk about uh, revenues, uh, recruitment, and, and, and real estate. And uh, But before I do, I want to talk to you about the market, okay? Coal, slightly out of favor. It's a, it's a dying industry. Uh, it's all doom and gloom. Uh, I'm not sure investors should be interested in it. What's your view? Well, of course, whenever we talk coal, we've got to make that distinction up front between um, thermal coal uh, for power generation and um, coking coal for the uh, steel, uh, blast furnace steel production. Um, in actual fact, both. Uh, uh, as sectors are doing extremely well. Um, we, of course, are met coal, coking coal focused. Um, I'm not in touch with the thermal market as as, as much uh, as I am uh, with the coking coal market. But as far as metallurgical, steel making coal, coking coal is concerned, uh, we're, we continue to enjoy uh, fantastic prices. Uh, demand in our sector remains strong. It's not just a China story, interestingly. Um, India is the biggest importer of seaborne uh, coking coal. Uh, Europe uh, coming out of the uh, COVID doom, where we saw steel production reduced by 70%, uh, is, uh, is increasing its demand again, and blast furnaces, which were idled during that period, are coming back online. Um, so demand remains very strong. But I think the, the difference between this uh, boom, if you like, and previous um, booms is supply. Um, it is seriously constrained. Um, there was a lack of uh, capital investment by the major resource houses uh, since 2013, which was the the decline in the sector, the last decline in the sector. And, and that has caused uh, a severe lack of forward supply. In the past, you could always rely on BHP, Rio Tinto, Anglo-American to have a $2 billion project on the horizon, which would deliver an additional 10 to 20 million tons a year. You could expect one of those to happen every five years. They don't exist anymore. Um, new supply is coming from people like ourselves, uh, the junior sector, and we don't bring 10 to 20 million tons to the market. We bring one to 2 million tons to the market. So supply is, is having a huge influence on pricing. Uh, and, and that's the difference uh, in the macroeconomic scenario of our sector in this particular at this particular stage. So um, our sector is strong. The opportunity uh, to generate uh, powerful revenue and, and, and significant profits is as good as it's ever been. Yeah. Okay, so, so let's, let's have that adult conversation here because, like, okay, I'll start with a slightly amusing story. Okay, we, we, we went to commission an illustrator 
to work on, for us to create a, an illustration for a, an article we produced saying, yes, they said, uh, no problem. Okay, tell me a little bit about what the article's about. Oh, it's about the coal market. Oh no, I couldn't possibly do an illustration for the coal market. That's just dirty, polluting, and uh, damaging across the board. We're not doing it, right? So th that, that's the mindset. I, I want to talk to you about, right? That's that's an illustrator. You've also got the same mindset with lots of big funds all across the world, right? And it, so therefore, you know, it's it's not just people who perhaps should, should know better but don't, but should know about this as part of their investing thesis, but still get confused between thermal and coking. Have you experienced that? Because I know I have. Yeah, it, it's funny you mentioned that we had a similar experience uh, very recently uh, in relation to our Black Warrior property in Alabama. We were undertaking a semi-industrial uh, coke oven test of our Black Warrior coal to, to determine uh, its uh, coke strength. And it was a large sample, one tonne sample involving uh, many drums, um, we reached out to the uh, major courier companies to move that material from Alabama to Germany where the, uh, where the coke oven was. That material sat for two months. No courier company would pick it up and take it simply because it was coal. And, and, and when we reminded them that this wasn't thermal coal for power generation, but steel making coal, Know, for a blast furnace, uh, they uh, they looked looked at us dumbfounded. Um, it, it's you know it's it's an unfortunate situation. The ESG debate um, is failing to acknowledge the distinction. It, there is a unwillingness simply because of the word coal, and I, I'm I'm well aware of a very significant investment bank who is very active in the resources sector and historically in uh, coal, who who simply will now not touch it. Um, so it's, if the, it's, got, it's the- And in its broadest context, whether it's thermal or coking, it's verboten. Full stop. Okay, right, so- these, these are intelligent people. The, um, these are intelligent we, people. Yeah, but it's your it's your job to, to to educate them, or at least for them to explain what wh why they won't. So I think the the argument basically is around thermal coal for 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 heating is is perhaps uh, polluting, and you know does have some very da damaging stats associated with it. You're talking about coking coal, which is used to, in steel making coal. Some people call it um, to, to to make the stuff which makes. Aeroplanes, for instance, cars, uh, uh, you know, hou housing, shipping, everything, all of those things. So th there's a kind of disconnect between uh, of, of, of thinking or, or, or chains in that in that thought. But that's the challenge ahead. So I'm trying to work out: is that terminal because we'll never get get there, or what's the market looking like now? Like, for instance, is the demand still there? As I said uh, at the beginning of this particular conversation, the demand um, short, medium and long term is strong uh, and coupled with constrained supply. Um, the, the sector, you know, bodes well 
uh, for the long term. But what, what, what's, what's happening with the pricing? Because last time we spoke, obviously prices were were heading heading up. You've, you know, we you, you talk about the quality of coal that you guys are pulling out of the ground and, and sticking on boats uh, now with, with you know positive revenue generation. But I, I, I'm interested in what, what's the price, what's the margin, what's the sustainability at, at those levels and, and those margins. Well, you know, none of us have crystal balls, so we can't um, guarantee what the price is going to do uh, over time. Uh, currently, and and certainly for the last twelve months, we're enjoying extraordinary uh, prices, uh, the highest uh, you know, that they've ever been in the history of um, seaborne uh, coking coal. Um, it, it's quite extraordinary. Can they? Can these prices sustain? Um, I, mean, I don't. I don't know. Um, the opportunity is there now to to make fantastic profits. Um, but um, I can only believe that in in one form or another, uh, pricing will certainly remain robust simply because of the mac- macroeconomics of strong demand and, more importantly, limited supply. But so, but what what is the data? What are the data points? What what are the analysts saying? What are the banks saying? What are what are the fund managers saying when they look out in this space? Or are they all just avoiding this space and looking elsewhere? Where's the data come that says, look, the demand is overwhelming. Um, we will continue to need coking coal, steel making coal for the foreseeable future, but. Because the big boys, the BHPs, the Rios, have stepped away, it's going to be in small increments of one, one to two million uh, tons, you know, versus what they they would be coming into. So those give us confidence to go and raise capital to, you know, for your for for your opex to raise money for acquisitions. So what 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 can I look at to give me that confidence? That is a, that, that's exactly what the coal analysts are saying uh, and the uh, research houses who are active in this sector. That is exactly the story. Um, but projecting prices forward, um, n- you, you'll never see an analyst project current prices medium long term. They will, will always anticipate a decline down to what they believe is the marginal cost of production and and where the price uh, must survive in order to sit at or above marginal cost of production. So you'll always see that. But the theme is is exactly what it is exactly what you say. Um, and um, and that it certainly uh, creates a lot of interest in the equity uh, capital markets. Uh, on the debt side, uh, we face the same uh, ESG concerns. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned before, uh, there was you know quite a major investment bank in the sector who will no longer touch coal. So it is becoming increasingly difficult on the debt side. Uh, and you know you are really looking at private equity houses, uh, you know credit funds uh, to provide debt capital, which obviously comes at a greater expense. But the equity capital markets, um, in certainly in our experience uh, in this sector, um, you know, remain strong. Well, that's where it's going, and you kind of beat me to it with regards to the cost of money going forward. Because if, if public-facing groups cannot look at, touch, speak about coal, um, you you know, people will take advantage of that, and the cost of money will will you know will increase. But you are now throwing off cash, right? 
you, and in the context of what we just spoke about in terms of being able to plan forward in terms of margins, et cetera, is your Q4 numbers were not what you told me they were going to be. Is there something we need to know? So I missed a, I missed a vessel by a couple of weeks. Um, it, um, it loaded uh, two weeks late. Um, so I missed, um, you know, uh, I think I had indicated to you that uh, uh, December quarter revenue would be in the order of 25 million US. Uh, we banked eight, um, had that had my January vessel loaded on time, uh, we would have uh, been in that vicinity in, in, in the 25. Uh, that revenue nonetheless is banked for, um, uh, for January along with um, the other cargoes that we have. Uh, so we have uh, about 32, about US 32 million um, uh, sold, uh, revenue sold and to be delivered in this quarter. So that, that's a significant, you know, step up in revenue uh, since we, uh, you know, put these assets together. Our September revenue was 1.7 million US. Uh, December, we stepped up to eight and this quarter will be uh, greater than 30 million revenue. Um, so yes, we are. We're we're generating cash uh, now, and it is uh, and it, with our production pipeline, uh, it, it's foreseeable we can maintain it. And uh, we're starting to focus now on cost, to, so that we can, uh, you know, capture that margin and profit. Right. So, so remind me if you're going to be, you know, on Q1 on, on guidance. Uh, what so what's the what's the number for the year that you're you're guiding? In terms of revenue, uh, first of all, so I haven't provided a re- an annual revenue guidance yet. Um, I'm, you know, I'm still. Is it going to be flat? Let me ask you another way. Is it going to be flat? Okay, Q1 30. Are we looking flat, or is there a kind of growth component to this story? So this year, our, our sales production guidance annualized uh, will, will remains the same of about 1.6 million tons of saleable coal. I think we'll get there three months later than I had anticipated uh, with new op not ramping as quickly as we would have liked. We, Why not? We spent, we spent uh, the December quarter um, realigning our, our underground uh, layout, uh, our two mains, uh, which we operate, uh, to, you know, to provide uh, more uh, efficient uh, production, short, medium, and long term. We completed that exercise. Um, all the while, uh, we uh, have finally um, broken the back on building our workforce. We were stagnant at about less than 50 underground operators for, for, for three to four months. We had very much a revolving door for every three or four guys that turned up, three or four would left. You know, it's, it's just about maturing the workforce and getting it settled. Uh, so why, why, why were they leaving? Was it work conditions? Is it uh, why? Combination of factors. The most uh, influential of, of which was accommodation. The area where our new Elk mine is located in southern Colorado has uh, has limited accommodation, and the vast majority of our workforce uh, were in motels, and and that's not sustainable. You know, medium to long term. During that period, we've uh, we have. Um, increased our portfolio of houses, of, of leased properties in the area. Uh, and uh, we now have uh, 50 properties under control, uh, under our control. Uh, so we've been able to take a lot of people um, out of the motels and get them um, comfortably housed uh, in the region. 
uh, with the influx of workers uh, in January after after New Year, uh, the motels are filled up again. But we do have a pipeline of more properties uh, becoming available over the next couple of we- uh, couple of months. So we'll work to uh, get those uh, workers uh, comfortably housed as well. But we're now up. Our, our total underground production workforce is around about 75. That's a significant step up from 45 before Christmas. That puts us in a position now where we can operate two underground production units, both with a day and a night shift. That's four shifts uh, per 24-hour period. Uh, so we will see uh, increased productivity from New World, New World this quarter, and, and particularly with the realignment of our uh, underground mine plan. Um, so I, I think, you know, New Oak will start to make significant uh, contribution to our revenue this quarter okay. and for the rest of and, and so just be clear about, want to get the terminology right, revenue versus net profit. Uh, I, again, I want a sort of sense of, you know, you talk about the efficiencies that you're driving and the engineering will, you know, help with some of those efficiencies. But, you know, and that's about reducing money, reducing the cost of production over a period of, of time. No problem with that. Are you making money today? On a group basis, yes. Um, uh, Black Warrior uh, was a ramp up. It was a ramp up of an existing uh, business which was already making money. Uh, but but we've, we have... We will triple production um, this quarter uh, from uh, Black Warrior uh, with the same fixed cost. So margin, so unit costs will go down and our margin will increase quite substantially. In addition, uh, we're now selling a coal which would have, have otherwise fetched um, $80 uh, in the domestic thermal market. We're now selling that um, on the uh, seaborne coking coal uh, market uh, for prices in excess of $250 a tonne. Uh, so Black Warrior uh, is doing extremely well. Uh, New York is a ramp up, uh, is a startup, and we've got to remind ourselves that um, by the middle of the year, I expect New York to be on its own to be cash flow positive. You know, it, it's, a, it's a big mine. It, you, you can't run it with a, with a small workforce. It's got a big wash plant. It's got big infrastructure. Uh, you have to um, staff that mine as if it was producing one to two million tons a year. Um, and um, once you achieve your productivity and drive your unit costs down, uh, it will start to generate a good margin. And um, I expect that asset to be uh, in that position by the end of uh, uh, end of the June quarter this year. Okay, and when, when will you kind of start giving guidance on, on numbers? Is it a case of each quarter you'll, you'll review and assess what you see and talk to the market about that one? Or are you, are you well, looking at 2022 they- differently and say, look, we, we need time to kind of get these efficiencies in place and we'll, we'll let you know next year? I mean, how does this work? Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll update our production guidance um, in the next uh, two weeks. I um, just want to see how uh, New Oak uh, goes this uh, month with the arrival of the workforce. We we also, you know, we were also battered uh, quite bad in January uh, with COVID, uh, as, as as most most businesses and industries, not only in the US but globally, uh, we were we were no exception to that. But 
we've, that's washed through uh, and we have very few COVID, te- uh, COVID cases in our workforce now. Uh, with the arrival of the additional workers, I want to see um, how the productivity improves uh, in this month of February. Uh, and at the end of this month, then I'll be in a position to you know, provide a production guidance, which which you know, I think is accurate and reliable. As far as EBITDA guidances are, are concerned, um, we won't do that. I don't intend to do that until um, Q3. You know, we need to achieve steady state production. Um, you know, we're still testing um, Black Warrior uh, as a premium um, high volume product. I, I have a trial sample uh, to a, uh, a large European steel mill uh, 20,000 ton sample, which we're loading next week. If uh, if we're successful uh, in that with that trial, uh, then we can expect to achieve um, you know highball A pricing, which is $380 um, a ton, you know, versus a discounted price that I pay for a trial sample. Okay, so- that is successful. We can we know we can achieve benchmark highball A pricing, and I can therefore forecast reliably because I know that the product has been accepted. I, I have no reason to believe it won't. We completed uh, large coke oven tests on this coal. We know it's good, good quality hard coking coal and that it will sooner or later command index-based pricing. Okay, so as an investor, I want to know how to play this, right? Because if I look, I look at your share chart, it's, I mean, you're up to 10, pence, 10, 10 cents over a 12-month period, and it's kind of gone, it's fairly kind of erratic pricing, um, so share price movement out there. Coal companies, the bigger ones, tend to produce as much cash as their market cap each year. It's, it's, it's kind of insane. They don't, you get no value almost for your, for your assets, for the, for the work that you're doing. Um, however, however people value coal companies is, is, is a mystery to, to me. So how do we look at a company like yours? Are you going to be producing cash to make acquisitions, to dig more coal out of the ground, drive revenue, which case, you know, I, I don't know where the growth component is, if you're going to keep plowing it back in the ground, or, you know, do we at some point expect dividends from companies, you know, like yours? And again, the big boys are d- d- dishing out high single digit, low double digit uh, numbers. So, you know, what is this investment story that I, that I should be buying into? Quite, quite, a, um, quite a few um, points in, in, in what you um, just asked there, Matt. The first one is that certainly um, the... EBITDA multiples that coal companies trade on uh, are significantly lower than other resource companies. Um, it seems to be a reflection of this particular boom, so to speak, or this particular period. Um, I think what you see, and, and certainly our strategy, is, is to uh, focus on paying dividends as soon as we have the retained earnings to do that. I, I have no intentions of doing any additional acquisitions. We've got a great portfolio of assets. We have our Black Warrior uh, our mine, which is starting to um, uh, you know, produce fantastic revenue for us. Uh, New Oak is in its startup phase, but, but you know, halfway through it and has got an excellent runway uh, over this quarter. And then of course we have our Short Creek underground asset 
which is a world-class tier one, you know, mid-vol hard coking coal uh, with, uh, you know, with what, what we anticipate to be, to be relatively modest capex. So I, into, and I aim to bring that into production the second half of 2023. Um, and, and then of course, we, we also have um, a nice asset here in uh, Northwest British Columbia where I live. Um, so we've got an excellent portfolio uh, with, with low to modest capital demands. Uh, our focus is very much to build retained earnings and pay dividends.